0: Welcome to Gemora Markings and a brief introduction to the system that is called Gemora Markings which uses the Shas Ozer as its basis. Needless to say that the heart of Yiddishkeit at the heart of Yiddishkeit lies the Gemora, the Talmud Bavli. In order to develop a true Kesher with the Rebbeinu Shluelam and his Torah, one must become proficient in the study of the Daf Gemara. For many, the Daf Gemara, as it is, is a daunting experience. It is true that, Boro Hashem, today we have wonderful translations, we have wonderful recorded shiurim of leading Magidei shiurim, but when it comes to Chazora, when it comes to reviewing the Daf one is challenged by the standard text and feels that he has to learn it all over again from new. What is he to do? So, with a great deal of siyata d'shmei'ah and the investment of over of over thirty years of chinuch and experience the system of Gemara markings has been developed to ensure greater proficiency, understanding and clarity, and the ability to review the Daf Gemara. We don't want to spend too much time in this presentation with introductory remarks, so let us summarize and say that Gemara markings Baruch Hashem has received broches and Haskomas from leading Talmidei Chachomim. Gemara Markings essentially is in one word a map. It's a tool to, an, to assist in the navigation in the Yam Shel Talmud. Gemara markings uses the traditional Vilna Daf. No changes whatsoever have been made. We simply superimpose onto the Daf Gemara geometric symbols and other standard punctuation and from time to time comments inserted between the lines that are taken almost exclusively from Rashi, inserted between the lines to maintain a smooth reading of the Gemara. In addition to that, Gemara markings and the Shas Ozer features Noisim, topic headings, and Mivnim, structural notes, that accompany each Sukya, and as each new geometric form appears, a brief explanation accompanies it, generally speaking, will be found in the outside margin of every Daf. In the course of this presentation, we do not intend to go through a sugya line by line in the text. However, we want to give everyone a feeling of what Gemara Markings is trying to do. It also must be emphasized that true attachment to the system can only be accomplished through the learning of many daf gemora Exactly how many? That depends on each individual. But it has been our experience that after a brief presentation like this, one will not necessarily feel a, uh, a need to adopt this particular system. But experience has shown that once one has learned 10, 20, 30 daf gemora using this system, He feels that it has literally changed one's life. So without any further delay, we have presented, along with this recording, several dapim, including an introduction key, several marked dapim that represent what Gemara Markings attempts to do, we will make be making a simple type of presentation, and we will conclude with a brief sugya from Perik Hakoines, the sixth perik of Bava Kama. So, as we turn, you should click on page one. Page one is entitled Gemara Markings. You can see that it has a series. Of different forms and punctuation on the page. In truth, though there appear to be many different items, one could actually group them into maybe four categories. At the top of the page you'll notice what's entitled a boxed text. That's represented by a symbol where you see a almost a rectangular shape drawing. What that is, is in effect the delineation of Tanaic material, Bryces and Mishnais, that are quoted in the course of the Gemara. Just like at the beginning of every new sugya or a new Mishnah appears, in the standard Daf Gemara you will see the word Masnisen, Mem, Tov, Nun, Yud abbreviated. Following that, the Gemara begins with a Gimel, Mem, and is plainly obvious to anybody that that is a new Mishnah. So too, in the course of the Gemara, we, in Gemara markings, box off Tanaic literature, so as to distinguish it from the rest of the Gomorrah. Generally speaking, the material found in the box is easier to learn because of its easier language. We also have series indicators. In Gomorrah markings the use of many different types of geometric forms is employed. There is no inherent significance to any one form. What happens is is that on every daf, you will find, on almost every daf, you will find multiple series of whatever. It could be a series of memros, of Gomorrah comments, by the same author. And on the same page, you might find a series of good pieces of advice regarding how one should uh, conduct himself in the outdoors. You might find on the same page a series of questions Uh, regarding the comment that an Amora may have made. So as to distinguish one series from another, a different geometric form is used around key words that represent the series. Once again, do not be intimidated. There is no inherent significance to any one geometric form. So that, as far as Gamora markings is concerned, all different geometric forms, including double underlines, represent a series marking. There is a rare marking called the firebox, which will denote a very significant name or idea that will preoccupy the Gemara, generally speaking, for at least an omud, if not more. The next marking is what we call long markings. They involve a situation where the Gemara has a question, or a point it wants to make, or an answer, a response, a deflection that may last numerous lines. One of the problems that people have when learning the unmarked Daf Gemara is they don't know where the question ends. They may be able to identify the be- the beginning of a question or the beginning of an answer, but where does it end? So, in the small space between the Gemara text and either the Rashi or the Tosfos, namely to the either to the immediate right hand side or left hand side of the Gemara text, you will find one of these long markings when appropriate. There may be a long she- she'elah, that's a shin, encircled with a vertical dashed line that follows, or a kushya, a difficulty, a, 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 abbreviated by a kuf, kushya, or a teretz, invo- abbreviated by a tuf that's encircled, or a nekuda, a point, abbreviated by a encircled nun, or dechiyah, a rejection, that may last numerous lines. These will become obvious when one is exposed to them inside an example. Beyond that, we have very standard type markings there that involves dot underlining or squiggle underlining to emphasize key words that will be part main, main points in a discussion or referred back to. Uh, arrows appear in the margin. That means that if a point is made in the Gemara and later in the Gemara that particular line is referred to, so a parallel arrow will uh, be drawn in to the space immediately adjacent to the Gemara text, and one will then scan the page upwards to find the previous arrow. Sometimes when arrows have already been employed and the need to refer to something earlier appears, then a star will be employed or a squiggled-shaped arrow. Then we have standard numbering and lettering and use of num- Roman numerals. We use quotation marks. Another very significant marking is the use of brackets. This involves a situation where the Gemara may be getting off onto a side point. And in order to indicate that this the, a particular section is a side point, so brackets will be drawn in from the beginning at the beginning point and at the end point of that side point. We also include a bracket length indicator, which is essentially a vertical dash dotted line that shows where the bracketed section begins and ends. When learning the Gemara, initially, we recommend, if it's a skipping type brackets, to skip that section. Generally speaking, that will enable you to preserve the logical flow and ease of reading, and then go back and learn the bracketed section. In our Gemara markings, we try to provide explanations on the side of the Gemara as to why the brackets are are presented in any given sugya. We also use single quotation marks. That's put around a phrase that ordinarily one might not read in continuity. So in order to enable one to realize, read all of these words together, to uh, capture the true meaning of what the Gemara is trying to say, you will see singular quotation marks used. At times, in the reading of the Gemara, one might pause. However, The pause would would be incorrect. In order to alleviate that problem, we use a connector. That's a little loop that connects the two words that are suggested to keep reading and not stop. At times, it's important to maintain the continued reading, but a brief pause is recommended as well, sort of a push and pull situation. For that, we employ the comma connector marking. And then various standard punctuation: colons, uh, semicolons, question marks, commas, and periods also appear. Very often, the Gemara raises a question with a with two sides to it. It will say, "Should you say like side A or Aleph O Dilma, or possibly B or Bays?" So we mark that type of. Uh, question as with this marking, we, a little letter, letter Aleph, and then the O Dilma expression, when it appears, we will squiggle underline the O Dilma, being that it represents a, an alternative, and in our Gemara markings, we like to emphasize all different kinds of alternative expressions, like O Dilma, or Ibois e, Ama, I e, Nami, etc., with a squiggle underline. This key sheet that we have labeled as page one is not designed to serve as the the teaching aid for the use of Gomorrah markings, but rather as a quick reference for people who are new to the system They can see with the key what the marking is supposed to be doing. In addition, our pre-marked Gomorrahs have... Mivne headings, as we mentioned earlier, to explain what the role of each marking is when it appears in a new sugya. We now turn to page 2. So click on page 2. Along with page 2, we will have page 3 and page 4. They represent the beginning dapim, the beginning amudim of Maseches Psachim. So hopefully everyone has these pages open. Page two, we see, is the first daf of Maseches Psachim. As you look at the daf, your eye catches different shapes. In the outside margin, you will also notice we have a no a topic heading the topic heading that we have written here says machlokes the Hamilo or the katoniba mishnah. Our Gemara will feature a machlokes between and by looking at the Gemara text, you can see immediately the circled names between Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda concerning the definition of the opening word of maseches the word or. The mishnah speaks about. The time for checking chometz on erev Pesach. Rav Huna says that the word or that's found in the mesh, Mishnah means boker, means morning. Rav Yehuda, on the other hand, he says that the word or means layla, nighttime. So, as you look in the Gemara text itself, just let your eye scan the page. You will notice. A number of triangles. You will also notice a system of numbers, a series of numbers that appears to the immediate left-hand side of the Gemara text. Opposite each line where a triangle appears, you'll find a number within a similar triangle. You might also note that the direction of the triangles changes from time to time. Triangles 1, 2, and 3 have their points facing upwards. Triangle 4, for example, has it flipped around, point facing downwards. 5 repositions itself, point facing upwards. And if you can scan over to page 3, which is Bayes Ahmed bays, you see the triangles continue. In fact, the numbering also continues. Until when you get to the bottom, you see number 12. But that's not the end. You get to page Gimel Ahmed Aleph, and the triangles continue. Interesting to note, on page Gimel um, Amet Aleph, the triangles that you see all are points facing downwards. So the question is, what are the triangles doing? So if we look in our Mi'vneh, the structural note, to the outside margin, there's a note there that says, Ad Gimel um, Ahmed Aleph, that this structure, the use of triangles, continues till Gimel um, Amet Aleph. We can very simply say that after, in, in, after being introduced to the Mahloikis, Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda, as to what the definition of or is, the Gemara will present proofs for each side. So when the Gemara is trying to prove uh, Rav Huna, we will be using a triangle point facing up. It's true that the word the Gomorrah uses, for example, the word mesve, which indicates a question, and in fact it represents a question on the opinion of Rav Yehuda. When you get to triangle number four, the triangle point is facing downwards. At that point, the Gomorrah is arguing to the benefit Latoivas Rav Yehuda. In addition to that, we have another featured marking. Notice the dashed underlines. Let your eye skim down the page, and what do you see dashed underlined? You will see the expression Alma or Yamamahu is dashed underlined 1, 2, and 3. When you get to Triangle 4, we mentioned that the triangle flipped over to benefit Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda defined or la bolsor as nighttime. What do you see is dashed underlined? Alma or urta. Urta means nighttime. Alma or urtahu. In fact, proof number four is to benefit Rav Yehuda, indicating that or means nighttime. At each point in the Gemara, there is a response from the other side. However, when you continue and look to page 3, namely, Beis, Omid Beis, you will notice another marking has been introduced when you get to triangle number 8. Triangle number 8 is accompanied by a squiggle underline. You'll notice there's a Mivne heading in the outside margin. A squiggle underline appears, and it says, Makoros Shalo Nidhu. There will be sources brought in the Gemara that will not be deflected by the other party. In order to indicate that element, or that uniqueness, we've squiggle-underlined when that happens. So, you can see immediately, number 8, of course, the triangle is flipped over, which we know from from Be'ez Omed Aleph, that is for the benefit of Rav Yehuda. So, 8 is a proof brought in that benefits Rav Yehuda, and at the end of the section that's listed as number eight, right before number nine, you see the expression dashed underline alma or urta. This dashed underlining continues throughout each section uh, that's brought in, and here the conclusion from point eight is that or must mean night. And then you see the expression Shema Mino, which we also squiggle underlined, indicating that this is conclusive. Interesting to note in this particular sukya that even though we have a conclusive point, the Gemara nevertheless goes on to bring more proofs. You can also see that when you got to number eight, that's the first time you see a framed section. As we mentioned in the Using the introduction page, framed sections represent tanaic sources. Prior to this, proofs 1 through 7 were employing psukim. When you get to point 8 and continue onwards, 9, 10, etc., you'll see framed sections. Those are tanaic sources being brought in to represent the different sides. So, number 8, you can see, we mentioned was squiggle underlined, Number 9 is not, because number 9 will meet up with a response from the other side. 10 is, squiggle underline, namely 10 is accepted, and likewise 12. In addition to that, we've tried to keep a running numbering as to the number of proofs that are accepted. This is what's represented by the numbering on the right to the immediate right-hand side of the Gemara, you can see where the triangle 8 appears on the on the right-hand side of the Gemara text, there's a number 1. Number 2, if you skim down, continuing to skim down the right-hand side of the page, you will notice a number 2, quite a bit lower down, likewise a 3. These represent the sources that are brought in and are not deflected from by the other side. This marking continues, 13 on page Gimel, which we call page 4 of our presentation. 13, 14, and 15 are all squiggle underlined as well. What one can easily see by through the markings, which proofs are accepted. Namely, the triangle is in what position when the proof that the Gemara brings is accepted. All of the accepted proofs, namely the sources that are brought in that are not rejected, all have inverted triangles, namely the triangle point is facing downwards. That shows that as far as proofs are concerned, the opinion of Rav Yehuda comes out much stronger than the opinion of Rav Huna. And therefore the Maskona of this particular Gemara will have you understanding that Or Labosa of the Mishnah means nighttime as Rav Yehuda explained, and in fact that's the common practice that the nighttime in which the 14th of Nisan begins that is the time we do B'dikaz Chometz. We now turn to our next sample daf of markings, page five. We hope you've clicked on page five. Page five is a daf from Maseches Shabbos, Perik Rebbe Demila, the nineteenth Perik of Shabbos. This happens to be Daf Kuf, Lamed Aleph, Omid Beis. So, on our page five, as you look at the daf, just scan the daf. Allow your eye to move down the page somewhat quickly. What jumps out? Well, of course, you see diamonds. In addition to the diamonds, you also see a, the use of double underlining. There will be other markings that we will take note of as we introduce this particular omit. Let us glance at the outside margin. We have a Nosei mivne heading. The diamond represents Sidra shell Mitzvos a series of mitzvahs shemach Shirov Dofin es hashabbos alibo the Rebbe Eliezer. Rebbe Eliezer has the is of the opinion that not only are these mitzvahs themselves capable of overriding Shabbos, namely you are to perform these mitzvahs on Shabbos, but even the preparatory stages needed in order to fulfill the mitzvah are also doche Shabbos, also override Shabbos. So that if, for example, a person is allowed to do a bris milah, a circumcision on Shabbos, and he needs to prepare the knife that's necessary for that operation, he is allowed to prepare the knife, which is a machshireh mitzvah. What are the mitzvahs that are featured on this daf? So all you have to do is glance at the diamonds, skim down the page, and you will see lulav, sukkah, matzah, Shoifar, and milah are featured. In each one of these cases, a Tanaic source appears. That's represented by the framed section. In each one of these sources, you have the statement made that the, that particular mitzvah, whether it be lulav, sukkah, etc., it and kol mach shirov Doyfin es shabbos. That any preparatory step that's needed to fulfill the mitzvah is also overriding shabbos. And the double underline features the name Rebbe Eliezer each time. In addition to that. There's also a type of dashed underlining, a diagonal dashed underline. Under the expression "minol le le Lezer Ha," the Gemara will be seeking out. As you can see, under our uh, comment on the side, on the outside margin, where this uh, dashed underlining appears, we've written in in quotation marks "minol le le Ha." That is the phrase that is highlighted by this marking. Chippus, a search, Mokor, a source, searching for a source, divrei Rebbe Eliezer, for the source behind Rebbe Eliezer's comment, or his allowance to include in D'chiyah Shabbos, even the Machshirim. So what a pleasure it is to look at an entire Omad Gemara and in a glance realize what is going to take place. We now turn to our next sample sugya. Page 6. Now that you've clicked on page 6, you see that we have a sugya from Maseches Soita, Daf Lamidches. In a word, we can say, Daf Lamidches deals with Nesias Kapayim, or, as we call it, Birkas kohanim or some may refer to it by the term duchening. As you scan down the page, you'll notice most of the page is made up of tenaic sources. You see numerous framed sections. In addition, you see a double underlining. The double underlining represents a series marking, as do the other geometric forms. In this case, we have a series of tenaic sources that all open up with the posuk Ko'i Ko'i as B'nei Yisrael, which is the posuk in Sefer Bamidbor in Parshas Noso that introduces the topic of Birkas K'hanim, the Kohen blessing. We see the use of diamonds. We glance at the outside margin and we see the nosei mivne heading, the double underline features Koyi this the diamond, Sidra Shel Halochos a series of laws and matters, HaKshurim, that are related, linasiyas Kapayim, that are related to the blessing of the Koyhanim, the Brikas Koyhanim, Shenidrushu that are derived from the same Posuk, from the Posuk of Koyi So in a glance, we can skim down the page and cite the halachos that will be discussed, whose sources will be introduced regarding birkas kohanim. So starting from the beginning, you can see, birkas kohanim must be beloshon Hakodesh in Hebrew. Be Be'amidah, looking at the next diamond, you see, it must be recited while standing. The kohanim must be standing. Be'nesius kapayim, with raised arms. Beshem Hamaphorosh in the Bashamidosh, the ineffable name of the Almighty was used. Additionally, the there is a source that says who is included in this Bracha. So there is a an elongated diamond around the words Gerim Noshim Meshucharim. Converts, women, and freed slaves are included in the Bracha. Another halacha is ponim keneged ponim. The kohanim are face-to-face with the congregants that are being blessed. And bekoil Rum. The kohanim must recite the birkas kohanim in an audible voice, as opposed to a whisper. So with that, you can see literally at a glance an entire omud gemara and what it's going to be focused on. Our final sample Omud Gemara before we get to a formal sukya is what we have listed as page 7. So now that you've clicked on page 7, we see Daf Tes Vav Omud from Asechis Bukhoros. This particular Daf, you'll notice, has very little by way of marking because we are trying to make one point with regard to markings on this particular daf. If this were part a daf that's part of a pre-marked shas Ozer masechta, then there would be many more markings on it. On this daf, you see in the middle the name Rav is underlined. In this case, we have a topic heading in the outside margin. The no se law. A question is raised here. It is not our intention to get involved with the content of this sugya whatsoever. Suffice it to say, it deals with the embryo that's inside an animal that had, be, had been dedicated to the Beis HaMikdosh, be dedicated as a sacrifice, but a psul, a an invalidating uh, f- feature arose that rendered the corbon, uh, the sacrifice, unacceptable. The question the Gemara deals with is, can the embryo be designated as a different type of sacrifice than what its mother was originally designed for? So the question in the Gemara... If we look at the line in which you see Rav Sheshis's name underlined, we'll read the line where it says a few words before that, Rav Sheshis. Ravina asked of Rav Sheshis, Mahu pisan shi Can one impose a sanctity on that embryo that is different from the mother? Omar Rav Sheshis answers, now you'll notice we've written in Rav Sheshis' name, because when there's a pronoun, sometimes it's not immediately clear who the speaker is, so in order to assist, we write in the name. So Rav answers, Ein Matpisan, that one does not have the flexibility of imposing whatever he wants onto that particular embryo. We've dashed underlined the expression Ein Matpisan. A few lines later, you see a long Tanaic source that's represented by a framed section. This framed section is brought in to support Ravshatius. The Gemara says, Tanyo Kavose de Ravshatius, right before the Tanaic source. There's a lot of information in this Tanaic source, but as far as the purpose of the Gemara is concerned, it brought the source in to support Ravshatius. Ravsheishas, let us just recall, said, Ein Matpisan. Where in this source do you see a support for Ravsheishas? Do you notice toward the end of the source a dashed underlined section? In fact, what does it say there? It says, V'ein Ve Matpisan, L'cholzevach, That's exactly what Ravsheishas said. Hence, you see, through the use of Gomorrah markings, one can see immediately why a source is brought in, what is the main point, and that's very helpful when one is engaged in his initial learning of a sugya so as not to get bogged down with numerous side points and details that are not relevant to what the Gemara itself is trying to do. After one develops proficiency in the flow of the sugya, the shaklevittaya, and understanding of the maskona, the final point, then, of course, one goes over the entire daf with, the, with an interest in trying to understand everything. This represents the completion of this particular stage of our presentation, namely a superficial glimpse at what markings and the mapping of a daf gemara can look like. We must emphasize once again that when learning an actual sugya, there is much more that's involved than what we just experienced. Now, let us click on page eight. Correction. Click on page seven. Page seven is together with page eight. This is found in Maseches Bova Kama, Nun Hey Omid Beis. The sample sugya that we want to present is found on the lower part of the page. Five lines from the bottom, you'll notice a two dots, followed by Tanya. Before we learn the Gemara, or more accurately, before we present the sugya, we are not going to learn the Gemara in the text uh, line by line and word by word, but we wa- rather want to present a Gemara with a dynamic flow to it. Albeit, this is a rather simple sugya to present, but that's the nature of any introduction. The nosei, if you glance at the outside margin, the nosei dalid dvoram or arbid four things oisa oisan one who commits these acts. Potur midine odom, v'chayov bedine shamayim. He will be non guilty in a court of man, but in the heavenly court he is held to be at guilt. What are the four things? So if you look into the Gemara text, you'll notice a framed section beginning with Omar Rabbi Yeshua. Within that text, we've provided numbers so that you see a number by the expression one who breaks down a fence in front of his friend's animal a second point one who bends over grains in, of his friend in front of a, an oncoming fire number three someone who hires false witnesses to testify And number four, one who knows testimony that can benefit his friend and remains silent. Each one of these are examples of something that if one violates them, he would not be found guilty in a court of man. However, heaven will hold him responsible. Following the presentation of those four items that are Potomidini Odum v'chayav Bidini shamayim, we notice triangles start to appear. What is the role of these triangles? So we take advantage of our mivneh, structural note, which you see in the outside margin. We've we've written in Pirut Itemization, the Hesber and Explanation Dalid Dvarim Hanal of each one of the four items mentioned in the Tenaic source. So if you skim ahead, you'll notice four triangles which continue to the top of Daphnun Vav, and Aleph our page 8. They are also numbered 1, 2, 3, and 4. So you see at this point the Gemara will be presenting each one of the items mentioned in the Tanaic source It will try to clarify what exactly took place that makes it such that he is not guilty by man. The Gemara explains the uniqueness or the reason for each one of the cases. At that point, we come to the end of the triangles. As we said, the triangles represent an explanation of each one of the examples of the source, explaining why he is not chayav in the court of man, but yes, would be held guilty by heaven. After the series of triangles, what is the next geometric form that you see in the Gemara text? You see diamonds with colored-in tips. We have under our mivne heading the structural note in the outside margin, you see a diamond with a colored-in tip. We have written in the following, v'ho'ikah, you find in quotation marks, because that is the word that will be enclosed by the diamond as you skim down the page. Before actually reading the Mivneh note, we would like to note something else. As you look at the page of the Gemara, the Gemara text, See to the immediate right-hand side of the Gemara text itself. Do you see a kuf that's encircled with a vertical dashed line? Of course you do. This is a kushya, a long question. We call this the long question marking. That means that all of the lines of Gemara that are opposite this vertical dashed line constitute the question. In this case, the question is made up of many subsections, but they all represent one question. Now, glancing at the Mivne note, we explain, for Sidro Shalcushios, a series of questions, Ois. Examples. No sofos. Additional examples. Al hadalid In addition to the four that were mentioned in the brisa, shechayoven bideh shamayim bilvad. there is a list of other things that are chayev only bishamayim only heaven holds the person responsible. But if one were to do these things, in uh, one were to do the things listed in this question, he would not be found guilty by a human court the lomo lokotoni babrisa binosaf on dafnun hey omed beis the question that will be that uh, that preoccupies the gamora at this point is why are these not uh, included in the brisa basof nun hey omid base in the brisa at the bottom of nun hey omid base in that brisa it opened up by saying there are four things that are poter ala shemayim when you have a list of an additional five things if you count up the diamonds that you see you'll see five diamonds in each case there is a Tanaic source within each source if you look closely you will see the expression at the end of each one of these enclosed sources, these framed sources. That means that there are really a total of nine examples that could be cited as At that point, where you see the long question marking ends, the Gemara presents this very question. After that, the Gemara points out in the Miho ikotuva, the Gemara acknowledges, I am, we are reading from the line right after the end of the long question, the Gemara acknowledges there are many more examples than the four cited. the itzterichalei, but the four that were cited in the source needed to be emphasized. Now, why is that? So the Gemara answers with a long answer. You'll notice the tuff to the immediate right-hand side of the Gemara text with a vertical dashed line. All of these lines are designed to present the answer. The answer basically says that the four that were cited in the Tanaic source, if not cited, I would have thought that even Bedine Shomayim he should not be guilty. And that's why the source teaches me each one of these to inform me that he is held guilty by Shamayim. Once again, without having been taught these four specific examples, I would have thought that even in terms of heaven, he would have been innocent. Therefore, the source tells me that each one of these is guilty by the heavenly standard. And as you can see, as you skim down the long answer, you'll see the use of a double underline. The double underline is one of our series markings. In addition to that, you see numbers. How many do you see? You see four. In fact, each phrase that's double underlined is a quote from the Tanaic source that was at the bottom of Nunheam with Bays. and at this point in the Gemara the Gemara goes point by point explaining with the, w- why I would have thought without the source that these actions would have been exempt even from a by a heavenly standard and therefore it needs to be taught and you'll notice in addition to the double underlining the, there's a dashed underlining at each point where you can see the phrase bedine shamayim nami lo l'chayev. that's to emphasize the main point that in each one of the cases i would have thought bedine shemayim by heaven standards he would also be exempt kama at each point the gemara says therefore the source had to teach me that he is guilty by the heavenly standard With that, we have concluded the presentation of a sugya with the marking system. It is our hope and prayer that you have found this informative and something that presents a potential for increased learning proficiency and joy. Thank you very much.